many did know that, that I had a doctor's appointment on Tuesday, and I did ask you to pray for my hip. And, man, I tell you what, when you're the pastor, you'd rather just say it to the whole crowd than have to tell the story 77 times. And so just, just real briefly, I want to share what I learned at the doctor's appointment. And, man, how am I such an achiever to get in that area where only one or two make this? So we go to the doctor's appointment, and, and we explain to him and, uh, what's going on, some pain in my thigh. And of course, he shows me the x-ray, and he says, there's two things when there's pain that we look for. And he says, number one, we look for infection. And he takes his little pen, and he points all down around that rod in my femur. And he says, I don't believe there's any sign of infection but he said also the second thing we look for when 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 there's uh, thigh pain is has the rod the stem fully connected to your bone and he showed me the x-ray that was taken right after it and he showed me a place that was kind of square up on the top of the bone he says and as that connects that, that will become rounded in the x-ray and I want you to look how rounded yours is and if it's not connected there'll be some white light areas in here he said and it just looks like the rod is connected well your, your body's received it well and he said but for peace of mind here's what we're going to do to make sure there's no infection we're going to do lab work you'll do that in Telequa when you get back for peace of mind, just to make sure there's not a hairline fracture that we're not seeing, we're going to do a radioactive bone scan. We're, we're, we're going to put dye in there and we're going to see. But then he looked at me and he said, and I don't think either one of them's the problem. He said, what I think the problem is, and it happens to me about two to three times a year, he said, and it seems to always be a 45, 50-year-old guy that's pretty active. And usually what happens, either the rod is too stiff or too hard for the bone or vice versa. And when he said that, I immediately looked over at my wife and he said, what I think yours is, is I think your bone is harder it's stiffer than the rod we put in. And so when you jump off the truck, jump off a horse, and you land on it hard, I think what's happening is your rod's bending, and the pain you're experiencing is your bone's not. And when he said that, I looked at my wife, and I thought, that's exactly how it feels. It's hard to explain to somebody what it feels like in there and so I'm just convinced well that's it we can do the blood work we can check for infection we can do the but I'm convinced when I hit on it that's what it feels like and he says uh, I said so them two or three <laughs> what do you do you know what he told me he said we change that rod that's what I said, Debbie. I don't want a new rod. I just want that rod to stiffen up. Can we put some hardener in there? So I say that to give you the report, and I told them both. 
my wife and the doctor, it's going to have to hurt a lot more than it's hurting right now. And he said, well, wasn't you on a cane a few days? I said, I'll have to be on it more than a few days before we change that rod out. I appreciate this about my doctor. He said, I don't want you to hurt. And I said, well, I appreciate that. But before we go digging a bone out that you said was real attached, and I'll just tell you, Doc, I'm attached to it. I don't want to have to replace it. So, you know, Wednesday night, anointing me with oil, and we're just praying that the rod stiffens. I don't want him to have to pull it out and I don't want to have to put a new one in there but sure I sure did get to thinking about roping kids when I left there boy could I rope with a new rod listen pray that the rod stiffens and I said all that that I don't have to give individual reports well, what did they say about your hip what did you say about your hip and all those that ain't here if they wasn't here tonight and they asked me about my hip I'm going to say ask Debbie ask Bob ask Rose ask Johnny they know Amen. You guys pray for me just like you pray for others. And that's the diagnosis we got. But Dave told me what he was going to start out with tonight. And I know it'll mean something to my wife and probably Miss Georgia. I don't know how many else in the building was around when we done one of our cowboy crusades like Brother Marty Brock, Bobby Bird, who's went on to be with the Lord, and myself used to travel all over and do cowboy crusades and they was the same at every spot but Marty and Marge would lead us in worship and then Marty would invite Bob Bird and Georgia I think you remember old Bob would be in his clown outfit I mean he was the funny man at the rodeo he'd be in his bullfighting suit He'd have his face painted. And before he'd get up, Marty and Marge would sing what you're fixing to hear. And that song is, He Touched Me. Marty would simply say, I'm going to invite Bobby Bird up here to tell you about the day God touched him. And without doubt, by the time Bobby listened to that song, got behind the pulpit let me tell you what was going on with his clown makeup it was all over his shirt you know why it just take him back to the morning in his sunroom where somebody showed up and touched him and it was the Lord Jesus Christ every time I hear that song and when David told me he was going to open with it I can't help but think of Bobby Bird how he'd stand with his clown makeup running and give a testimony of that somebody touching him and that somebody being the Lord. And man, let this song take you back to the day you were saved when he touched you, when he forgave you, when he made you whole. Amen. And then we're going to go right in to 10,000 Reasons. And if he's touched you, let me promise you, you got more than 10,000 reasons to give him praise. Amen. Let's stand and let's worship him in spirit and truth. Let's think about the day that he touched us. Let's think about all the reasons we have to praise his name. And I'll remind you that as Dave leads us in these songs, if you just need to come and kneel and thank him for touching you, you just need to come and kneel 
Because you got 10,000 plus reasons. The altars are open. Shackled by a heavy burden. Beneath the load of guilt and shame. In the hand of Jesus touched
It's a new day dawn. It's time to sing a song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me. Before you sit down, he's going to sing one more song. But I wanted to know if I could come up here, and he granted me permission. I said, I won't get up there and talk. He's fixing to sing what a friend we have in Jesus. Now, I want you to think about what we just sang. I don't know about you, but I stood right there, and I was thankful and I was grateful for one Tuesday morning in an old Mack truck. He touched me. And man, I've not been the same 
Something wonderful, wonderful happened when he touched me. He changed me. Ivan Pace, me and him had a little visit back there down the hall. And this morning I made a comment about McAllister in the prison. And somebody was talking to Ivan about me as the pastor and said, Yeah, it's a wonder he didn't end up down there. Huh? Oh, I'm going to tell you something. I'm grateful that He touched me. But I'm more grateful that He saw me for what I could be, not what I was. And He began to mold me and to make me and to change me. I don't know if those songs, if you guys really listen to these words and let them minister to you. Do you? Did that song, He Touched Me, did it take you back to the day He touched you? Did it take you back to the day that He changed you? And man, when it does, we ought to bless Him. we got all kinds of reasons to thank Him, to praise Him. But the day He touched you, look here, become that friend that sticks what? Closer than a brother. Now I've got some friends. I walked in Country Cottage. Well, I've got nobody from kindergarten all the way through. When our high school days, you didn't see us not together very often. And I never dreamed that I'd be a guy that he called and leaned on when his family fell apart. Never dreamed about his family falling apart. And my family sent me a text Friday. Didn't have no idea where I was. I was out off doing things. Looking at cows, checking out. And they told me they was going to eat at the cottage if I wanted to meet them. And when I walked in, I was told that my family was done in the back. And there was my buddy. And I began to talk to him. And I said, who are you waiting on? Who are you sitting with? I just went to the chiropractor here in Locust. Just decided I'd come and eat. And I said, well, shoot, you're not going to eat by yourself. Me and old Tim walked back there to where my family was and sat down. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I don't have a whole bunch of friends. But I'm going to tell you something about Tim Hammonds when I was growing up. He was a friend. When it got tough, he'd be there. And after all those years when he needed a friend, my phone rang. Going through some tough stuff. I think Tim would say the same about me. Boy, friends, they're good to have. But let me tell you something. There is not a friend like Jesus. There's a friend to Tim better than this friend is to Tim. And I've got a friend that's a better friend than Tim is to me. Are you with me? And we're, we would consider each other the best of best friends. I know we would. But there's certain things that our friends here on earth can't do. Have you ever thought about what kind of friend you have in that of Jesus Christ? Huh? Listen to the words tonight. If you really think of Him as that kind of friend, do you realize you can carry everything to Him in prayer? In other words, He's the friend that you can carry a friend to. 
He's the friend that the four people carried the paraplegic to, huh? And I wonder how much we forfeit because we don't take advantage of that friendship we have with Jesus. I wonder how much we forfeit. Listen to these words of this song because we don't go to Him in prayer. In this song, it's going to pose a question. Is there trouble anywhere? Let me go ahead and answer. There's trouble everywhere. And we've got a friend in the midst of that trouble. When it bends us over, He can straighten us up. I would encourage you to use this song. Listen to the words. And maybe even on your knees when you listen to it. And it might just bring someone or something to your mind that you need to carry to Him. What a friend we have in Jesus.
Amen. You may be seated. I've said this recently, and David just reminded me by those words that he ended with, and you can flip on the lights if you'd like, Miss Kelly. What a privilege we have. And I shared at the bull sales, it was a meet and greet time, and Kit Pharaoh posed a question to the customers. You're going to remember it, I think. When he asked him, what's your unfair advantage? And he was wanting people to think about what their unfair advantage is. What advantage do you have in your cattle business that others may not have? And remember I told you, I was surprised somebody didn't stand up. I didn't get asked that question. Didn't stand up and say, my unfair advantage is Jesus. I can go talk to him anytime I need to about anything I need to. And I want you to think about something. I, I've been thinking about that unfair advantage thing. And I've been surveying my life. And I've been thinking about that question that was asked plumb back in November, Dave. Rob, what's your unfair advantage? Can I tell you? I've got lots of them. Number one, it is to the Lord, and He's open 24-7 that I can go talk to Him. But man, when I see my friends go through family troubles, and when I see people that I never dreamed would have those kind of troubles, it makes me realize, and I'm looking at a lot of people, that you need to realize tonight, one of your unfair advantages is your family. I got a family that's always there. I got a family that when I'm gone, they step up. And I'm looking at a bunch tonight. Some of you just got that same unfair advantage in that of your family, your wife, 
your kids, your parents. Huh? That's an unfair advantage for me. But then I look at a crowd tonight and I see some man family, whether they've been taken by death, whether it didn't work out and it was the other D word, divorce. You with me? And you're sitting there and you say, man, I don't have that privilege, that unfair advantage of family. Better look where you're sitting tonight because we're family. And if you don't have that blood family that I'm talking about, I'm going to tell you whether you won't believe it or not, I know about these people that you're sitting amongst, and I think you've got an unfair advantage with the church family that you sit amongst. See, I've got an unfair advantage with both. I've got an unfair advantage with my church. Man, I believe I gather with the best gathering of God's people this side of heaven two or three times a week, huh? What an advantage that is. So I just think, what a privilege we have to carry everything to Jesus in prayer. I don't know what unfair advantages you have in your life and in your business and in your walk, but I promise you, an unfair advantage that we as Christians have is we got a friend that we can carry everything to in prayer. Amen? What an unfair advantage to have the opportunity to enter boldly into the throne room of grace. We can carry our friends, we can carry our family in there, and we can talk them over with the Lord Jesus. I don't, that wasn't in the plans, but when he said, what a privilege we have, it just took me back to the unfair advantages that some of us have. We just got a privilege that others don't. But look here. I'm going to give you something to chew on tonight because we are done with the book of Ephesians after tonight. Not done with it. You can read it again anytime you want. But we're done with the Sunday night Bible study of it. I want you to think about the Apostle Paul. And let me give you just a real brief recap of what he wrote to them. If you was to look back and you was to look at chapters 1 through 3, I believe you'd have to agree with me. He wasn't doing nothing other than writing to this church that was near and dear to his heart about the wealth that they have in Jesus. You go look at it and it's going to talk about being adopted. It's going to talk about being redeemed. It's going to be talking about the inheritance we have. It's going to talk about us being joint heirs with Jesus. It's going to talk about us being sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. It's going to talk about how he that was rich become poor that we might become rich in him. I believe, Brother Bob, he spent three chapters trying to explain to you and I that we are a wealthy people in Jesus. Jesse, when we was at Tars' funeral, here's what I can concluded after watching those videos. Now, I don't know how many of you here know the Foreman family, but they was quite a family when it come to roping. They're a family... Me and Donna was talking, probably never paid much for a horse, but won lots of money on the horses that was provided for them. And after watching the videos and watching that family, here's what I told my wife about the Foreman family. 
most people would consider them poor by what they drove, by what they rode in the arena, the clothes that they wore. Listen to me. Most of the world would consider them poor, but here's what I told my wife from watching the videos. Right there's what it means to be poor, but be the richest people in the world. That's what I got out of their videos. They was a rich people. They might not have had a lot of money, but I'm telling you, they was rich. That's us as Christians. We may not have a lot, but I'm going to tell you, in Jesus, let me tell you what we are. We're a wealthy people. Paul spent three chapters trying to explain that to us. And then he moved into chapter 4, and he moved from our wealth. Come on, you can look at it. My Bible's closed, you tell me. He went right from their wealth to their walk. I believe chapter 4 verse 1 says, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm begging you, walk worthy of your calling. In other words, Christianity isn't something you just profess. It's someone you possess. It's not just something you converse about. It's a conduct in your everyday life. It's not something you just lip. It's something you are to live. And he spent all of chapter 4 after telling them how wealthy they are, telling how they ought to walk worthy of their calling. Right? But then when he comes to Ephesians chapter 5, he's done told us how wealthy we are. He's told us how we ought to walk. And then he goes right into worship, don't he? Boy, I'm going to tell you, sometimes I think we fall flat of our face when it comes to worship. I think when we get to heaven, we're going to realize we ain't, maybe have never worshipped. Does anybody ever feel that way? I do. Boy, it just seems like there's no way that we come close to giving Him the worship and the praise that we need to. I don't know if that bothers anybody, but it often bothers me. And I can't wait till I get to heaven that I'm going to finally get it right. I'm not, I'm not picking on you guys. I'm telling you right here. I'm telling you the battle I fight. I want to worship Him. I want to tell Him what He's worth to me. I want to give Him praise because He's worthy of it. And Paul tries to tell us that in Ephesians chapter 5. And I don't know if any of us get it. But then, I want you to think about this book of Ephesians. He told us you're wealthy. He told us how we ought to walk. He speaks of our worship, and then he comes to the last and final chapter. Come on. He says, but don't forget you're in a war. You're fighting a battle. And he tells us to put on the whole armor of God. Huh? And it seems to me when you come to those final few verses, it seems like the Apostle Paul is saying to the church at Ephesus, I believe you've got it. And in the last few verses, I believe he's just complimenting this church. And so something to chew on, I believe he compliments them because they're concerned about missions. Look at Ephesians 6.21. He says, but that you also may know my affairs and how I'm doing. He said, Tychius, a beloved brother and a faithful minister in the Lord will make all things known to you. In verse 22, he says, Whom I have sent to you for this very purpose, that you may know our affairs. 
See, Paul was all about missions. Paul was a missionary. Paul planted this church at Ephesus. And this church knew that it wasn't about one body of believers. This church knew it was about the kingdom. This church knew that, listen, there's mission work to be done. Right here in our town of Ephesus, but not only there, in the surrounding towns and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And he says, you want to know our affairs, I'm going to send Tychius and I'm going to let him report to you about our missions. Aren't you glad that Paul was mission-minded? The church at Ephesus was because he was the missionary that planted the church. Do you know why we have a church right here tonight? Because of that very same missionary. Remember when he got knocked off his camel? Remember when he went into town and God said to Ananias, Go into town. You're going to find a man by the name of Saul. And I need you to lay your hands on him. I need you to pray for him. And you're going to baptize him. What did he tell Ananias? He's a chosen vessel of mine for the who? Gentiles. You want me to tell you why we've got a church here in America? Let me tell you why we're here. Paul was mission-minded. And we have this church because he was a chosen vessel to go to the Gentiles. And folks, if we're a church because of missions, we ought to be a church concerned about carrying our missions on. And I love that we understand missions is here and there and everywhere. I want to thank you for being a church concerned about missions. And we probably don't talk about it often enough, but look here. Did you realize that churches tithe just like Christians tithe? If not, let me tell you how most traditional Baptist churches do that. Let me share with you what that looks like. We have a local association, we have a state association, and we've got a national association when it comes to what we are, a Baptist church. And most churches traditionally say a tithe is what? Ten percent. So most churches, they divide that 10% up to their local association and then their state association and some to the national. Are you with me? So when I arrive here, we didn't mess with that. We done a 4% to a local and a 6% to the state. We tithed 10%. Maybe that's new to you, but that's how it works. So we're in the middle of building this particular building. And in the middle of that, we're learning that we need to maybe be better stewards of God's money. And so we begin to look in to different missions. We begin a group of people that we looked at and trusted to look in to where we'd be better stewards of our money. 
And we changed at that point several years ago. I don't know how long, Miss Georgia. We decided we wanted to send money to people, to put it in secular terms, but or to be practiced spiritually, get more bang for our buck. Invest in the right places and the right ministries. And we even decided while we was doing that, that you can't outgive God. And so we decided at that point, we're going to give more than 10%. And I don't know why the number is, but it still is 16%. Everybody staying with me? All happened because Exciting Southeast was concerned about missions. And after we changed and that percentage locally went down to one and that percentage statewide went down to one, but the percentages overall went up. Everybody staying hooked. Am I making sense? Here's the word that come to the preacher. And this ought to teach us all a lesson. If you don't know the story, keep your mouth shut. This ought to be a lesson to all of us. If you don't know the story, keep your mouth shut. Because you know what come back to me? Somebody in our association said, that young preacher, that church, they're trying to build debt free and where they're going to skip, where they're going to try to save money and point it to their building fund. Oh, we've seen churches do that, go down the wrong road. They're cutting their missions. Oh, that young preacher in that church will learn you can't cut your missions and build. God won't bless that. Now, you heard the story. Did we cut our missions? Or did we give more to missions? That's why I say when you don't know the story, you probably ought to keep your mouth shut. Because then folks thought we'd cut her back from 10 to 2 when we'd upped it from 10 to 16. Can I compliment you for being a people that give? And can I compliment you for being a people that's willing to right off the top of a tithe to give 16% and invest that in your community, in your state, in your country? And yes, David and Bryce just got back from India. Do you realize, and Dave reported it to you this morning, new church plants, 1,460? That's from Exciting Southeast. Do you realize that 8,700 salvations because of what you give? Do you understand that there's been 5,200 people trained because of what you give? Folks, Paul was complimenting the church at Ephesus because they're concerned about missions and i want to tell you tonight hats off from your pastor to you because we're a church that's concerned about missions and we're investing in the kingdom of god and i promise you it's got a better return than anything you can invest in here on planet earth amen
So he tells them all this thing, and he compliments them that they're concerned about missions. But then I want to say, secondly, he compliments them because they are compassionate toward their minister. And watch what he says. These folks loved their minister. They loved the Apostle Paul. It says, but that you also may know my affairs and how I'm doing. Now the minister, the pastor, the Apostle Paul's gone, but they wanted to keep up with him. They wanted to know how he's doing. They loved him. He said, Tychius, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, he will make all things known to you. Now this tells me that they no doubt loved Paul. You want me to tell you why I think they loved him? I think he preached his heart out to them. And I think he loved them. And they could see that he was real. He was genuine. And he wanted them to experience what he experienced in the Lord. And he preached his heart out to them. But see, they knew as hard as it was, it's about the kingdom. We got to let him go. There's another church to plant. There's another uh, a church that needs encouragement. There's more souls that need to be won. But we want to keep up because we love our minister. And they want to keep up. And no doubt Paul wanted to come to him, but he says, I can't. I'm not going to be able to do that, but I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to send you Tychius. And let me tell you, he's a beloved brother, and he is a faithful minister in the Lord. And let me just stop right there. This is the same church that the Apostle Paul warned about wolves in sheep's clothing. So Paul was very serious about when they couldn't have him he made sure he put somebody behind the pulpit that they could trust. Huh? And he was sending Tychius. And you don't have to worry about him being a wolf. You don't have to worry about him giving you the wrong message. And man, when I read this, I am humbled to be the pastor of a church where the church loves their pastor. Because here's what maybe some of you don't know. There's pastors out there that their church don't love. And there's pastors out there that don't love their church. And I don't think that was the case here. I think Paul loved the church at Ephesus, but I also think the church at Ephesus loved the Apostle Paul. And I think they understood we can't have him all the time. And I want you to tell, I want to remind you of something I've said. And I want to remind you that me and my mentor talk about this often. He fights a battle and I fight a battle. Of people are all time calling, wanting us to come. And when you're the pastor of a church, you have to tell a bunch of them, can't do it. Because he's given me a flock to shepherd and brother marty and i talk often 
How much can a pastor be gone and still keep the flock healthy? How much can the pastor be on the road preaching somewhere else? Because there's other churches that need encouragement. There's more souls that need to be won. And God has given us a gift. And we got to be careful with that gift. It's one of them things, almost sometimes the gift becomes a curse because you don't know what to do with it. And we know it's not. It's a gift. And so, in case you guys didn't understand it, I talk to my mentor often, and he says, I fight the same battle. You're not the Lone Ranger. And man, when we look at that calendar and the calls start coming in, it's a battle. But I want you guys to know that there's a lot of churches that would say, well, shoot, we love it when our pastor's gone. Man, when the pastor's gone, when the cat's away, the mice will play. I mean, we'd soon listen to anybody but the pastor. You don't know how big a blessing it is that, to have a church that misses you when you're gone. I don't know, it'd be pretty tough to be a pastor that when you're gone, the church didn't miss you. I'm just telling you that from my heart. But I also want you to know that when I feel like I'm supposed to be gone, I'm thankful for a David that I don't have to worry about leading you the wrong direction. I'm thankful that God has put Mike Dunn in our path that when I'm gone, I don't have to worry about somebody leading you astray. And I tell you, nothing against Mike and nothing against Dave, but I'm just a little bit partial to that one sitting there about the fifth row. You don't know how good it is. You don't know how it does the heart good when somebody at a revival or somebody at a bull work day, somebody at a, at a, a Bible-slash-roping clinic, and it's Sunday, and I'm preaching to them, and they come up and say, well, don't you pastor a church? And they say, who preaches when you're gone? I said, well, we're two campuses. We kind of got two guys. We got an associate pastor, but he's a worship leader. He preaches some. We've got a guy that leads worship that used to be a pastor. He preaches some. Very blessed. But I said, I tell you what, my son, he's filling in today. And I'll just tell you, that is not a knock against Dave. That's not a knock against Mike. But there's just something about telling the crowd. My son, he's covering it today. I hope you guys realize there's times I want to be here and I can't. But I want to compliment you for seeing it as a kingdom not just a local body. And I hope you realize that when I'm gone, I take very serious who stands behind this sacred desk called the pulpit. I believe Paul's complimenting this church. They was concerned about missions. They was compassionate about their minister. And not all ministers have a body of believers that love them like Ephesus loved Paul. Not every church has the privilege of being loved like Rob's loved here. Thank you, guys. But then thirdly, now watch here. He compliments him because 
he knows they find comfort from the message. Look what he says. That you may know our affairs. Tychus is coming, right? He's going to tell you our affairs, but watch. And that he might comfort your hearts. Peace to the brethren. And love with faith. From God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what Paul knew? He knew the question to what was in that hymn we just sang. Is there trouble anywhere? He knew there was. He knew there was some hearts sitting in the seats at the church of Ephesus that needed comfort. And he knew when Tychus, Tychus got there, he was going to preach the Word of God. And he knew the Word of God would convict where it needed to convict. But he also knew the Word of God would comfort where there needed to be comfort. You know, I don't know if you've really seen the big picture of the last probably three weeks of messages. I don't know if you've realized that the last three weeks of messages has just been messages of comfort to people who are hurting. Have you picked up on that? See, last week when I preached on heaven, there was a visitor back there sitting about where Ivan Pace is sitting tonight. I knew who he was. I seen his boy and his daughter-in-law sitting next to him. And I knew very little bit, but I knew that his spouse had passed away. I didn't know the time of it. I didn't know how it happened, but I knew it had. And if you don't remember the message last week, It was the cure for a troubled heart. And it just had some real simple points. Keep believing. Keep clinging. And keep looking. And I knew a little bit about that, but from the time I started preaching, and maybe you noticed it, there wasn't a time that he wasn't doing this. daughter-in-law sent a text to Miss Nettie. And I'm not going to read it to you, but I'm going to give you the gist of it. We've decided a few months back that we're going to look for a church and get in and attend it regularly. You know why? They didn't say this. They need some comfort. And we'd been to a few... And last night, that'd be a week ago this Saturday, we decided we're going to the cowboy church. We're the cowboy church. And the only cowboy I know that we have is Glenn. <laughs> but they're going to go to the cowboy church. She sent a text to Nettie. We felt like God was speaking to found some comfort. And you can bet we'll be attending next Sunday and they was right in their place. 
And what is I preaching today? When the world bends you over. I was so glad that's back, and I thought, man, they've not for them, not just for them, but man, we got people hurting. And so when I leave there, Glenn, he sends me a text. When you get out and you get a minute, give me a call. And when I called him, he's concerned about our buddy Billy Park. And he wanted to know some details. And I said, man, just pray. And he said, by the way, Pastor, Glenn calls me Pastor. That's why I knew I had to put somehow Pastor in what Truett would call me, Pastor Paul, because he was always going to hear his Paul Paul Glenn call me Pastor. He said, by the way, Pastor, the last couple of weeks I hadn't told you, but the messages has been unreal. And I said, Glenn, the reason they've been unreal, they've just flat met us where we're at. The reason they've been unreal is because we've got an unreal God that knows when we need comfort. And right now, our bunch just needs some comfort. And he's even sending visitors by the groves here in Telequal, And guess what they're in need of? Comfort. There's comfort in the messages. And he lets them know, I compliment you as a church because you get comfort Not from appeal, not from a positive talk. You get comfort where comfort comes from, and that's the Word of God. Amen. Aren't you glad God meets us right where we're at? Now keep in mind in the weeks to come, if we need a butt kicking, (laughs) the Word of God does that too. There'll still be unreal messages because they meet us right where we're at. Amen. He complimented this church. Boy, you're concerned about missions. You're compassionate about your minister. You're comforted from the messages. You know where comfort comes from. And then I'm through right here. He complimented them. It seems to me he knew they was careful about their membership. Have you figured out right here at Exciting Southeast, we don't even know what it's like to be members here. We don't even know what it really means to be members here. Anybody figured that out? (laughs) Uh, We want to move our letter. Okay. And I want you to look up here. And, And if you come from a church that wasn't Baptist, maybe that ain't a big deal to you. But when you pastor a Baptist church... And when you're young, and and one day over there, just as a very young, I'm still young, I'm still green, but I was younger and greener. How's that? And I run on to our membership cards. 
And boy, did I get in trouble because when I looked at three or 400 membership cards and we was only running 20, I thought there's a little bit of an issue. Why don't you go check memberships out at Baptist churches and they might have thousands of members and they might be running 200. So let me tell you what I thought about membership. I thought it was a crock. And I carried that membership box out to the dumpster. And boy, did I get in trouble. For throwing the memberships away. And since then, if you've been here very long, we have tried to figure out what being a member looks like here. There's a stack of cards that tall in there on my desk. I preached a whole six, eight weeks, and we took cards, and some people left. I ain't filling out no card. Because remember when Joshua, that message I preached, the people, oh, we want to serve the Lord. And after that kind of series of messages, everybody in here was fired up and wanted to serve the Lord. You know what Joshua told that bunch when they wanted to serve the Lord? You can't do it. I have watched you all these years get fired up and you want to serve, but when it gets tough, I've watched you quit him and drop him like a hot rock. That's what Joshua was saying to them. You can't do it. Oh, but they said this time's different. Didn't they? Go read Joshua 24. He says, okay, I'm going to put a rock right here and it's going to be a witness. Has anybody been here long enough to remember that message? I said, I ain't got a rock, but there's going to be a box and you're going to give a card and it's going to be a witness that you said you wanted to serve here. And you know what? You just like in Joshua's day, they'd serve a little bit. And when they'd quit serving, you know what? I'd pick up the phone and I'd call them and I'd remind them about that card they filled out. And you know what they'd do? They didn't care. Things have changed. I give two hoots about them cards in there. Because let me tell you what them cards, they don't mean squat. Let me tell you what means something. You showing up and putting your hands to the plow, whether your name's on a card and in a box at this church or not. I've tried to figure out. I've tried to figure out this church membership thing. And in 20 years of ministry, here's what I'm going to tell you. Somebody... <clears throat> that has got their hands to the plow and their nose to the grind, and they attend here regularly, I just figure they're members. And you know what? When I see that, you know what we've been accused of over and over again? I'll tell you what, I quit that church because they're clicky. You know what I tell, say to that? Won't you join the click? Let me tell you how clicky we are. There's a clique that runs that nursery. There's a clique that cooks most of the meals and does most of the work in the kitchen. There's a clique of teachers that teach Sunday school class. There's a clique of people that go out and help our widows when they need help. There's a clique of people that get together last Saturday and set some corner posts for a widow lady. Did you know there's a clique for about anything you want to be a clique for? So let me tell you something. Every church that's doing in something, let me tell you what they are. They're pretty clicky. And let me tell you what you ought to do. You ought to just join the clique. 
You've got to understand people can pick and choose their friends inside the church and they can have who they want over to eat and they can have who they want over to go to the movie and out to eat. There's nothing wrong with that. There's some of you here, our personalities, if you went and eat with me, you'd never listen to me preach again because you'd figure out real quick, I really don't like that guy. Thank God I've only got to put up with him when he's preaching. I don't want to hang out with him. But there's certain people that they've got the same personality and likes. They might kind of like hanging out with me. And I'll just tell you the flip side of that since I picked on myself. There's some of you I can tell by, I want to hang out with you. Let's just drop it at that and let me just quit. I'll preach to you. I'll love on you. But, but as far as hanging out, probably just not going to be enjoyable for either one of us. It's a two-way street. Right or wrong? And let me tell you what. I've been on football teams. I've been on basketball teams in high school. And guess what? And it was okay to have a friend or two on a, and hang out with them when you wasn't playing ball. But it was also all right not to hang out with some of them that when you come together, wasn't it? Why is that not all right in the church? Well, I'm going to tell you, it is all right. If it's not all right with you, you're the one that needs to come up here and get right. But when I say he's careful about the membership, watch what he says. Here's what it's about. He says, grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ. If it stopped right there, it'd be one thing. Did you catch what he said? Sounds like that church might have been clicky. He don't stop right there. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to this. In sincerity, amen. It's almost like Paul said, hey, that bunch out there that's just coming, not sincere, not serving. God, I want the grace to fall on those that love you and they love you with all that's in them. Let me tell you what Paul realized. Not everybody that occupied 16 inches of seat at the church at Ephesus was a born-again, saved child of God. He said, grace to you guys who love the Lord in sincerity of heart. Amen. And he knew that he was going to keep preaching evangelistic inside the walls of the church. I done told you about old Anthony who I call Tony. After about the third message, I preached to him at Mathis Home Furniture Store. Those tears welled up. And he said, thank you, preacher. Because I can tell you're concerned about evangelism. And here's what he said. Inside the walls and outside the walls. And I preached this morning, but I'm going to remind you again. I don't think Paul would compliment these mega churches that are getting huge numbers together and just preaching positive, feel-good messages. I just don't think Paul would do well. I don't think he'd compliment him, Bob. But he complimented this church because they cared about the membership. They cared about the ones that was sincere and loved the Lord. And listen, they knew there was people sitting around them lost, and so they was going to make sure that they was evangelistic inside the church walls and outside the church walls. Folks, when it come to the end of the book of Ephesus, 
Paul was complimenting a church. And now that we finish the study, I just look at the church that God's given me to pastor, and I compliment you for being concerned about missions, compassionate about your minister, comforted by the messages. You know where comfort comes from. And concerned about our membership. There's people sitting among us that, not, that are not sincere and not believers. Keep praying for those that sit in the seats to experience salvation. Keep praying 